Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kamalorkas. Welcome to our latest episode where we'll be discussing the latest news in the world of Formula One. Joining me to do that are my two regular guests for this podcast. First up is Autosport's F1 reporter, Luke Smith. How are you doing, Luke? Yeah, doing good, thank you, Alex. Uh, fairly busy week, actually, for Formula One. It's been uh, particularly in the last sort of 24 hours, so everything's kind of kicked off a little bit. So I think giving us a, a taste of what's come next week when the launches start. But uh, yeah, nice to be having some news to get stuck into over the past few days. Absolutely. I mean, we, we delayed recording this podcast by a day so that we could basically go over what was already set to be the main bits of news coming out of the F1 commission, as we'll get onto later. Then, uh, obviously, late last night, there was the news that Fernando Alonso, uh, very unfortunately, involved in an accident while out cycling. Uh, we wish him all the best and we'll, we'll cover all the latest information we have on that and the injuries that um, he's unfortunately uh, suffered in that incident, but hopefully not too bad, judging by the, the official information we've been given. Uh, but yeah, as I said, we'll, go on, we'll get into that later in the podcast, uh, because also joining us is my sport.com's f1 editor jonathan noble how are you john yeah good i'm looking forward to launch week because it finally finally feels that 2021 is gonna get going properly it's not gonna be as manic as previous years because they've used to compress you know eight or nine launches into the space of five days so it was always chaos but i think a nice nice steady build up to 2021 is what everybody needs Definitely. Although, yeah, maybe we should change it to launch fortnight rather than uh, launch week, considering the, the spread out. And at this stage of recording, I think there's as five or six teams haven't actually uh, uh, given a date of when they're going to be launching their car, as we, we explained last week, why, why we like to um, get all that information out there for the readers and things like that. But I, I do suspect you're going to see 
two maybe even more launching in the in the uh, or unveiling really in the pit lane in uh, in Bahrain when testing gets underway uh, but we're going to be discussing three topics from the news of the past week or as I said earlier news of the past day really on this edition of the podcast which is again part of our new weekly offering leading up to the start of the 2021 season. Uh, first up and essentially we'll be chatting about two issues in one segment here it's the main takeaway points from Thursday's meeting of the F1 commission. In the meeting unanimous approval was given for an engine freeze to come into play from the start of next year, although the move is only really agreed in principle as the Commission has requested additional details regarding the freeze before it's formally confirmed. The push for such a freeze was originally led by Red Bull as it hopes to take on the Honda engine project after the manufacturer leaves F1 again at the end of 2021. Uh, John, first of all, because I think it's always worth clarifying given it's such a vague title, what is the F1 Commission and what then has it agreed upon in relation to this engine freeze at this stage? So the F1 Commission has existed for decades now it's always been viewed as kind of a the first stage of the 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 formal kind of rules process so the fi would would meet with say sporting directors or technical directors so you used to have a sporting working group and a technical working group and they, they would kind of work on ideas and propose propose ideas um then in the up to the last concord agreement you'd have a strategy group which involved the top teams who would then vote on stuff that affected the top teams only which became a, a big bone of contention um that strategy group's now gone so what we now have is the, the f1 commission which used to be made up of a mixture of teams the fia f1 a fuel representative an engine menu uh, representative a sponsor representative but now the, now the situation is much simpler it's um it's 30 members 10 votes for the fia 10 votes for f1 10 votes for the team um, there's basically, uh, if you want to get rules changed instantly, it's now called a supermajority. So the need for unanimous um, support is no longer there. It's 28 votes, which means you can't have a situation like we had last year where Mercedes blocked the reverse grid race idea. You'd need at least three teams to be against something for it to get blocked. So I think there's, think it's a, a much better process now. It should hopefully ensure, you know, a bit more, um, ensure a bit more of a a more structured process and a, a collaborative process as we've seen with the engine freeze because I think in the old days you know you would have been unlikely to get full support for an engine freeze but it's been worked on Stefano Domenicali is determined to bring a new era into F1 where things get done properly um, and we've seen the, the first outcomes of that yesterday Indeed and Luke how big a decision is this in terms of what it means and what could it potentially do to the future implications regarding the competitive order in Formula 1? Yeah, it's a massive thing. I think we've seen, we saw over the past few months, ever since Honda announced his exit from F1, Red Bull were always very confident. They said, we've got lots of options. We're very relaxed about things. And even though there only seemed to be three manufacturers they could have worked with in Mercedes, Ferrari and Renault, um, the rules are set so that if none of them came forward to give a supply deal Renault would have to purely because it supplies the fewest teams so I think that um, but it was never something that Red Bull really wanted to go down that avenue so they were always very confident then it emerged they were looking at taking over the Honda engine project which obviously would be a huge undertaking but they always said it was dependent on a development freeze in F1 uh, for the engine side and uh, that 
has been something that the team's sort of gone back and forth on uh, over the past few months. So initially you had Red Bull and Mercedes very much in favour, Ferrari were against it. Then Ferrari got an agreement to bring forward the new regulations for the power units from 2026, 2025. So they were on board, but they wanted a, a sort of balance of performance style mechanism to ensure no manufacturers got left behind. Then Mercedes were against it again, and it's sort of gone back and forth until we finally got that you know, unanimous decision through. And uh, yeah, I think it is, it's very important for the competitive order because it means that ultimately once we get to the start of the 2022 season your power unit performance that is set then until the end of 2024 and that's a really really huge thing and uh, it's been made very very clear by those at the meeting that there is no balance of performance sort of element to this there's no that if you find yourself suddenly behind that you've got to you're going to get sort of benefits and maybe increase fuel flow or anything like that to be able to catch up again it is very much that you've got to get it right first time around so it's I think for Red Bull it's very exciting it's a really cool opportunity to do something new and take on that Honda project which Honda are seeing through right to the end of 2021 but there is also the risk of that if they don't get it right at the start of 2022 then they're going to be stuck in a position for a couple of years so it's kind of uh, going to be pretty high stakes going into next season. Definitely and and John how do you think if, if let's, let's give you an example uh, like an example scenario if you're a Ferrari fan considering everything that happened in 2020 regarding the engine are you not a bit alarmed to hear that an engine freeze is coming into Formula One if, if that's going to cement the potential problems that Ferrari have with its power unit? No, not necessarily, because they've still got the, the, the developments from um, last season into this season. So in effect, you can have a new engine for the start of this season. But the rules are that what you start this season with, you finish the season with. So there's no mid-season upgrades, because that was Ferrari's biggest problem last year was, um, you know, it realised it had a problem in pre-season testing, combination of the, the engine down on power. The car was far too draggy, but it needed time to understand exactly where the where the biggest issue was and it was actually both of them then coronavirus struck the FI had to respond with drastic cost-cutting measures to to ensure the sport survived because no races we would have seen three four teams maybe go to the wall so part of those cost measures was no engine development so it was a freeze from the first race so Ferrari therefore knew what needed to be done but couldn't do it so it was stuck with that engine all season so it can work on it this winter so we'll start this year with a, with a new engine that's then frozen, and again that process can go on into into 2022. I think the more interesting aspect is, um, which we need an explanation from Red Bull is, is how much work Honda will be willing to do on that that power unit because the spec will be frozen from the Bahrain Grand Prix, but will Honda happily work away, develop it, and keep working on upgrades behind the scenes on the dyno to to ensure its 2022 engine is a is a step forward? I think that's the the big uncertainty of the situation at the moment. Definitely, definitely. There's also a sort of knock-on effect of introducing the engine freeze and what that that's, could mean, because I said it's, it's all still got to be formally agreed, uh, for the next era of engine rules, which will remain a turbo hybrid packages. Uh, these potentially means it will come into force for 2025 now with the freeze and not 2026 as originally planned. Um, so Luke, what, why has that come about and uh, what was said about that in the commission meeting? So yeah, I think that was that's pulling that forward. That was always a big thing that Ferrari in particular were very very keen on because I think they do want to sort of take a a step forward with the the power unit generation that that we've got currently. I mean, 
dates back to 2014, we know the criticisms that have been laid against the current formula, that it's, it's too expensive, it's too complicated and, and everything like that. But um, yeah, looking long term, I mean, F1 outlined, they, they said they wanted a powerful and emotive engine formula. Uh, they want to go for something that's uh, more sustainable, that's simpler, uh, that is cheaper as well. And it's able to attract new manufacturers is a really important part for F1 that um, Stefano Domenicali said recently that there are sort of quiet discussions going on in the background with possible manufacturers as there always tends to be to be honest but I think they are looking at the current sort of grid and thinking well there's only three OEMs involved now in Mercedes, Ferrari and Renault if any of those decide to up sticks then we're kind of into this sort of IndyCar position where it's you're in one of two camps so I think that's something F1 is very eager to avoid moving forward but um, yeah it's sort of I think this is really the next step and I think bringing it forward as well by a year I think that's that's pleasing to everybody I think that as John said Stefano does want to make his mark on F1 he wants to get things done and I think whatever the next formula of the sport is I think it'll be really interesting to see what that when that comes in in 2025 but yeah this is really just another step towards that and it's all the sort of same kind of noises we've been hearing in terms of what they want out of the next engine formula but the fact it's coming a year early I think that's that's a really good step for everybody involved and John I mean as I said it's it's been agreed essentially in principle when would it come into actual sort of concrete force that it will be updated in the regulations for 2022 is that a, a simple process a quick process or something that might rear its head again further on into 2021 no from what i from what i understand that the um kind of outline framework for the regulations was agreed at a power unit gathering so meeting of the manufacturers kind of outlined outlined how it can work um that will have been put to teams yesterday who voted unanimously now the formal process is it goes through has to go to the FI World Motorsport Council, which has to vote and approve it for it to go into 22 regulations. But I think I think that should should be a formality. If, I think if teams had any question marks over it, um, they would have come up yesterday and they would have asked for more time to consider aspects like we've seen with this, the sprint race situation where they're, they're broadly in favour but want some more details. So I think it, generally I, I would suspect there are firm regulations in play. Teams have read them, have looked at them, and were involved in signing them off because their engine representatives did all that. Um, and now it's just a question of formally going for the process um, at the next World Motorsport Council meeting. Indeed. Well, we look out for that. And yeah, John, as you said, uh, the other main news coming out of the F1 Commission meeting was the explanation that experiments with additional sprint races at selected Grand Prix events this season received broad support from the teams. That's in inverted commas from a story Luke wrote on my script. Uh, but again, further information needs to be gathered before it gets full approval. Uh, the events earmarked at this stage to have sprint races are the Canadian, Italian and Brazilian Grand Prix. So Luke, how would the sprint race format work if if that does is that if that does come into into force as it's planned at those three races in 2021 so it would replace qualifying on that Saturday slot, but it would not replace qualifying in total. And I think that's something that fans have been quite concerned about seeing this sort of headline about, oh, sprint races are coming. And the, the things to stress are that firstly, as you say, it's only for three races that it's been looked at for this season. And also that it won't completely replace qualifying. So we would still have qualifying in its current format, but that would be on Friday. Um, we'd have one practice session on a Friday morning and then you go straight into qualifying in the afternoon and then there'd be the sprint race on a Saturday. It'd be around 100 kilometres, so about a third of the distance of a full Grand Prix. So it should take somewhere around the 30-minute mark. And uh, yeah, and I think that they're still sort of working out the, the finer details in terms of points and prize money and all of these sort of other factors involved as well. But ultimately, it would be that the result from that sprint race would set the grid for the, for the final Grand Prix on Sunday um, for any sort of 
observers of junior formula or formula three the macau grand prix uses the same format it has qualifying then what they call a qualifying race and then the the main grand prix itself so it'd be a similar kind of thing basically where it's sort of three stages to get to your final grid but uh yeah it's uh, it's something that as you say is still need the finer details to be confirmed and sort of few hurdles to get over but the very fact that all of the teams have given their broad support and and said they're in favor i think is a really really good step and a big breakthrough for f1 with its formats it does sound like this issue has more steps to go. As Luke said, there's more hurdles to clear. It's not just a case of, right, we're going to do it, press ahead. That you know, it, it could even go into certain driver contracts that might need to be altered or, or updated at least uh, just, to, just to make sure everything's covered. So what does still fully need to be worked out before this gets the sort of the full go ahead? Yeah, I think I think what yesterday's meeting was about was understanding the, the concept. So were teams in favour of the concept of trying something different um, it was clear w- when I spoke to Stefano Domenicali, um, I think it was two last week or the week before time, the time has kind of become relevant these days. But um, yeah, he was clear, no reverse grids, it's over. Doesn't like the concept, doesn't think it fits with Formula One. But the sprint race concept is different. It's just a, it's a different way of doing something, but maintaining a proper meritocracy without any artificial means to spice things up. So I think it was about getting an understanding from the teams that they like the idea. And now you need to go away and work out these complications because when you when you change the, the the kind of flow of a race weekend it can cause endless complications because you've got part ferme rules to sort out we've got tyre regulations to sort out um, you know will teams get more money because the likelihood of there's greater damage how will this impact tyre selections and choices through Friday practice um, as you mentioned the contracts if a driver's contract says they're contracted to do X number of races then is this now a problem is this an official race or is it qualifying um there's issues like what do we classify as pole position so is the pole position holder the guy who went fastest in qualifying on friday or is it the guy who won the qualifying race on the saturday um you know there's endless little details that will take some time um will take a few weeks but i think the sporting directors will get together get some brains um they'll go to the team bosses f1 itself has got ross braun um, who's you know more than capable of kind of highlighting and understanding these problems. So all these processes will now go through the next few weeks and we should get an answer before the season starts. Firmly with my grammatical pedant hat on here, but um, the idea of it, when, when I used to work for an American publication, a lot of my colleagues would say that a certain driver won the pole and it would drive me mad. But this has kind of got me thinking, if a driver does win the sprint race and therefore gets pole for the main race, do they win the pole? The Allsport style guy is going to need a, a definite update, I think, after this. Definitely, it definitely will. I think it's off the top of my head. I think I'd prefer it if pole was defined by qualifying because that would be same, the, same. the competition, and then the Grand Prix pole would be <laughs> established by the sprint race. We'd have to just invent a whole new entry, perhaps. Um, but John, just something that just stood out to me about those three events: Canada, Italy, Brazil. I mean, I know everything's so up in the air with the calendar and what's going to happen with the pandemic. But do we do we have any indication of why it might be those particular three events? I would suspect um, two reasons. One, um, I think this is about pushing on with um, maximising F1 audiences and, and um, audiences at races as well. Um, so by this stage of the, the season, hopefully you know, things are getting back more normal. We can get fans back at races. And this is about, it's not about making Saturdays better. Um, it's about making the whole weekend as an event better, bringing back the wow factor, as Domenicali said. Um, so you get qualifying on a Friday, a sprint race on Saturday and a race on Sunday. So you've got that. Plus, um, don't forget F1's now making a really big push in America. 
Um, Domenico is quite keen on that, that they need to do more. Um, they need to um, increase that, that thing. So starting in Canada um, is good for primetime audiences. It's good for the American audiences. So I think this, this is why it's selected it. And it's also three races where overtaking is possible. Um, it should be quite exciting. Races, quite exciting starts. Um, and much better than doing it somewhere like... Um, Barcelona or Monaco or Sochi, where there isn't much to much to get excited about. So I think it's I think it's quite wise they've they've picked those three different races. Yeah, I think we can be fairly sure that the order in qualifying in Abu Dhabi will be the same <laughs> grid order for the full Grand Prix after the sprint race, other than if there were any uh, DNFs or whatever. But again, I guess that has to be still worked out in the rules and things like that. And um, yeah, guys, I just wanted to to gather what your opinions are on F1 adopting sprint races. I mean, from from my point of view, I'm I think it's I think it's a really good idea. It's not a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it because it's still keeping everything else in place. You know, there is a, there is a difference, obviously, that the sprint race would decide the, the full grid for the Grand Prix. I appreciate that's very very different, but it's 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 more of an addition than just changing qualifying for the sake of it has happened in what was it 2016 with the elimination format when the qualifying format is already very good and um, i do i do appreciate people's views that you know there's it's, it's a more fundamental change that needs to be made to improve formula one it's, it's the fact that it's the same team and drivers that win all the time that's really what people have frustrations with rather than rather than the format and um, but just the only real gripe i have is the idea of if there are going to be three experiments for this in 2021 I don't think they should. There should be points awarded. I, it's just I. But I, then I do appreciate the knock-on effect. Is how would you award points for the Grand Prix in that case if if the grid is set by the sprint events? But if things are experimental, not sure points should be should be factored in automatically. And um, but yeah, Luke, why, why don't why don't you uh, why don't you go first? Sorry to put you on the spot, but yeah, what what's your opinion of uh, Formula One adopting these sprint races? No, I'm, I'm very much in favour, and I think that it is it's something that doesn't have any sort of the gimmickry of a driver or team being penalised for doing well, which is kind of the worry about reverse grids, that if a driver's leading the championship, they'd just be sent to the back of the grid. And that's not, that. there's none of that. It is still that if you're the best driver in the best team and you're quickest on a weekend, you can top qualifying, win the sprint race, win the main race, and you can still be at the front right the way through. So it doesn't penalise anyone for doing well, which is good. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how drivers and teams do approach that sprint race whether it is a case of that if if say we're getting towards the last sort of throwings of a season and a driver is seeing their sort of title bid um going down in flames basically they really need to turn it around will they absolutely gun it in the sprint race more will other drivers be a bit more cagey because they don't want to risk an accident or or going off or anything like that and that will send them right the way to the back of the grid for the main race i i don't know um I, i i appreciate what you're saying about sort of the the points for this year and if it is an experiment but I, I would counter and say because it is only three races, I think that it is sort of a very, it's a very gentle step in, I think. And it, it would be very easy for them to roll things back next year if the idea doesn't work at all. Or on the flip side of that, actually expand it if it does work really, really well. So, yeah, I just think it's going to add an extra sort of competitive dimension to weekends. And one thing I like is that, and what I loved about Imola last year, is that weekend kind of got a bit, bit of its own identity. That it was over three days with Media Day Friday, practice and quality on Saturday and the race on Saturday. Sunday I think we'll look forward more now to Monza Montreal Interlagos when we think oh yeah there's a sprint race this weekend as well so I just think it's uh, yeah it's quirky it's cool I'm I'm a big fan of the idea 
Yeah, that's that three day weekend at Imola. If only there were two journalists that hadn't turned up turned up on the normal day on Wednesday anyway. I mean, we knew what we do. We didn't do it by accident. It's just the way the, the the flights worked out. But it did give us a, a lovely day walking around uh, walking around the park there, Luke, didn't it? Um, yeah, John, what's uh, what's your opinion on the sprint race idea? Yeah, I like it as a as a trial. Uh, I'm not. I think it would be good to have in the future, not necessarily every race, but I think the select events just to mix things up over the the season. I think F1 has got too formulaic at times, especially when you go to a, a kind of run of tracks that are quite similar in design with similar curbs and similar characteristics, then have the same press conferences with the same format, with the same programs in Friday testing and the, the same results on a Saturday. So I think mixing it up at different races is good. Um, I've done the Macau Grand Prix many, many, many times, um, and it's a format that works works well there. This concern that you have a race on Saturday and it'll just deliver the same result you get on Sunday and we'll take the shine on Sunday. It doesn't happen in Macau because qualifying, you know, starting at the front of the main race is still really important. So there is the edge and how drivers treat the Saturday races, it doesn't have that same desperation and um, intensity as, as the main race because you can, if you're running third and that's good enough to get pretty close to the front of the grid, then you, you'll accept that. Whereas on race day, you will be gunning all you can to move up and get the results. So I think there will be a, a different split between how drivers approach Saturdays and how they approach how they approach Sundays. Um, and um, I think it's a good start. And um, I agree with you on the points thing. It's the only thing I'm not too comfortable about is handing out a lot of points for, for Saturday sprint races because I don't think you'd want the World Championship decided on a Saturday um, and I think that would that would perhaps take a bit of shine away from Sunday. So I think if it, if it was kept as this decides the grid for Sunday, so you claim your pole position on Friday, the sprint race is then the first step to the grid on Sunday. It's just a, just would be a nice nice flow. But let's go on to the final news story we're going to discuss on today's podcast. And as I said, that is the uh, the unfortunate news that emerged last night that Fernando Alonso has been hospitalised after being involved in a crash with a car uh, while the Alpine. <clears throat> after being involved in a crash with a car while the Alpine driver was out cycling in Lugano in Switzerland. Um, Luke, what's the latest information we have on this, please? So yeah, Alpine issued a statement uh, last night confirming that Alonso was conscious that he was well in himself and would offer more updates today. Uh, The team has then issued a subsequent statement this morning confirming that Alonso underwent some corrective surgery uh, for a jaw fracture and uh, that he is otherwise doing well, that the doctors looking after him are very very happy with him they said he's going to be kept in hospital for the next 48 hours or so before being discharged but it said that it doesn't see any hindrance to his preparations um, ahead of the new season obviously his his F1 comeback Uh, Fernando himself has actually tweeted while we've been uh, starting this podcast Uh, he said thanks for all your wishes I'm okay and looking forward to getting 2021 underway let's go with lots of those so he's uh, he's doing well I think good good stuff good stuff Um, John do we think, I mean, we are entering slightly into the realms of speculation with this question, but it's, it is worth asking, is there a danger that he could miss the start of the season or, or the very least testing, which is which is coming in just over a month? I wouldn't have thought so. I, th- I mean, I think for however painful it, it can be, it's probably clear he's taken a hit on his hit on his face. So he'll probably be very, very sore, um, whether it's broken teeth or the jaw or whatever. It's not going to be very pleasant at times, but I don't think it would hinder his driving. I don't think it's hindered his preparations and you know we know how determined Fernando is if you know if there was uh, a 0.1% chance of battling against the odds and getting into that car for testing 
he would do it. So I think the, the very fact it all looks to be on uh, is fine. I think barring any un, you know hugely unforeseen circumstances or complications, he'll be ready for testing. Indeed. Well, we hope that comes to pass. And obviously, we wish Fernando well in his recovery. Um, Guys, I think we'll end the podcast there. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today. And thanks to everybody listening along. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out on Thursday and will be available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There will be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills, too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Sports Social Podcast Network.